welcome new listeners or welcome back regular fans to Work at Life. Whether you're an employee or an employer or you just care about the topic, this is a show for everyone who believes that work should be just as fulfilling as life outside of work and that the way to get there is through building more human workplaces. What's different about our show is that we look at burning issues through the lens of both the individual and the organization. So the show is co-hosted by me, Maddie Grant, as a culture designer and co-founder of a culture consultancy called Propel, and Sonia Lucina, an organizational psychologist heading up the workforce division at Question Pro. So welcome, everybody. Lucky people. You just have me and Sonia today. Um, we, you know, as you know, we want to take an episode every once in a while just to talk to each other about a topic that... Um, we find super interesting or that we maybe even have questions about. And um, we, we always love just just digging into these things. And of course, you know, we always try and bring in a guest, but every once in a while, it's just really nice to just sit and talk through something, just the two of us. So that is the treat that we have for you today. And the topic that we wanted to talk about is compassion. Um, it feels like, and I'm sure everybody will resonate with this, that in these, you know, very weird times, um, we've obviously talked a lot about empathy in the workplace in previous episodes, and compassion, and we'll dig into the different definitions, but we just want to think about this a little bit more and see, you know, what different perspectives we can bring to this topic. Um, so, Sonia, <laughs> as always, we have some good data just to just to kick it off. Um, so, Sonia, yeah. go ahead with the... <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'll, I will get us started. We had um, so much data on this one because, like Maddie was saying, empathy is something we've we've been talking about for a while. And so we were trying to narrow down what we wanted to share today because there's so much good stuff. Um, the first one is actually about empathy. So taking a step back, empathy is the the step before compassion. It's actually listening to somebody open-mindedly without judgment, with patience to understand what their situation is. And then compassion is taking action on it. Um, but you can't take action in a meaningful way without really understanding what somebody is going through. Mm -hmm. And so one of Question Pro's philosophies is empathy at scale, because we are a a survey company, my my team specifically focuses on employee experience surveys and continuous listening. And last year, we started trending this question where we were asking workers in the United States um, if they feel like their employer organization listens to them with empathy. And so around this time last year, we asked that question and 49% of people said absolutely I feel like my employer listens to me with empathy. Right now, we just asked this question today, and only 31% of people said absolutely. So 49% a year ago, 31% today, it is almost a 20 percentage point drop. And that really, in some ways, when, when Maddie and I were preparing the questions, we thought and hoped maybe this would be a boring one, that it would trend the same and it took our breath away a little bit when we saw the difference. We thought, wow, what you know, what could be going on here? And so that's one of the things that, that we'll be unpacking in our conversation. 
Um, and then the next data point that we asked about is whether a person would want to be able to better connect with their manager on a personal and professional level. Um, and again, we thought, okay, we're asking one of these, but we've talked a lot about the whole person experience and we're by far the only ones talking about that. A lot of people are about the importance and, you know, during the pandemic, we all opened up our homes and you could saw each other's kids and dogs and cats and grandparents <laughs> and parents, like everything, right? Um, but now going back to the question, would you want to be able to better connect with your manager on a personal and professional level? 44% of people said absolutely. 34% of people said somewhat. So only about 20% said, eh, you know, not really or not at all. So even after going through this phase in our lives where most people feel like they've opened up, you know, whether voluntarily or not really themselves to the world, there's this still this huge desire to connect with their own manager on an even deeper level. So we'll start there <laughs> and we'll start our discussion. But, um, you know, sometimes, you know, for the headlines, this, this kind of data makes the headlines, right? We were hoping and expecting data that wouldn't, but with this kind of information, this was another reason why we thought having this kind of episode is still really important because even though, and, and I recently wrote an article about um, compassion for um, Forbes, actually, it was called giving leaders the superpower of compassion. And again, in my preparation for that, I read a number of Harvard Business Review articles and McKinsey articles and a lot of research that's out there. So it's not a topic that's been untouched. On the contrary, it's been talked about a lot. But based on our data, it is extremely clear that there's still a lot more room and not only doing research, but understanding how do we practically apply this in the workplace. So talking about the second data point first, um, people obviously have a strong desire to build those personal relationships. And I think my sort of anecdotal and armchair analysis of that is that the door was sort of opened to the possibility of getting to know your manager or anyone on your team it doesn't have to be like someone more senior, but getting to know people, you know, like you said, more fully just because of the crazy situations that we were all put in yeah. you know, through the pandemic. But one of the things we've talked a lot about on this podcast is how that um, openness and transparency and vulnerability um, and sharing in general is actually good for, for work, right? Good for building relationships internally with your team members, um, good for doing work together. Um, so I think the data point there is what we were hoping for, right? That people sort of, and again, my armchair analysis, they, they appreciate the value of building those personal yeah. relationships and they want more of it. So yeah, that's how I see it. Do you, do you agree with that? <laughs> no, I love that. Well, you know, in my like, you know, rainbows and cute unicorns view of the world, I would have thought, oh, no, people are all set. Like they already know their managers well enough. Like they don't feel like it's something unfulfilled. Um, but I think you you bring a different perspective. It's the idea of how much is enough, how much connection. And that could be different for different people. And it actually reminded me of one like when we think about, so 
Maddie, you and I just did the episode with Ashley for No Straight Path. And we've mentioned how surprised we were, even though we spend literally time together every single week for the past at least year and a half. And we yeah. talked about, <laughs> she interviewed us about our upbringing and both of us were kind of, you know, jaws dropped in, in just how much we learned about each other as two people yeah. who are friends, who collaborate, who've had so many conversations, you know, like whether it's on the show or off. And so when I was reading an article recently um, on Harvard Business Review, there is um, a woman, Sherry Turkle, who actually provided some practical advice around like connecting with employees and like, what are, you know, maybe what are the reasons people don't know each other as well? Like, why are we seeing this data? And one of the things that she mentioned is embracing this not knowing and saying that leaders are feel expected, like it's of them that they know it all, um, but being open to saying that they do not and listening to each of their employees is really, really important. And oftentimes it's a big mind shift. And imagine like with me and Maddie, if we weren't given this opportunity with Ashley and at one point would one of us even, even we're not in a manage, we're not in a managerial one to another, we're peers position. I might've felt a little awkward, like almost admitting to Maddie, I don't know about her upbringing. Or I would have thought that she mentioned it at some point and I forgot and how embarrassing if that's the case. And so maybe I would have shied away instead of saying like, hey, I don't know of this about you. Let's talk about it. Yeah, it's funny because even it just reminds me of that super awkward moment when you're talking to someone that you've talked to a million times, but you can't remember their name, but you see them <laughs> so many times that it's literally ridiculously impossible for you to to actually admit that you can't remember what their name is. Oh, no way. No <laughs> this way. is not yeah. that, of course, because that's like the worst. But, but you know, like you said, like we we talk almost almost every day of the work week um, and, you know, we know a lot of things about each other, but there's just a vast amount that we don't know. And in one conversation with Ashley, who literally asked, so what was your childhood like? Yeah. That was her question. And, you know, and she said she wanted to know, like, you know, how we grew up, where we lived, like, you know, all the background. And it's like, you just, you don't even think to ask that kind of question. But it yeah. just gives you so like, I want to know so much more now. And it just illuminates yeah. so much about your, you know, like everybody's um, individual perspectives and what they care about. And even where they might be looking towards in the future. I don't know. It was just, it was really, really great to to have that conversation. Yeah. No. So I think a part of that, like hopefully for those of you who are listening, you take this, you know, whether you're um, in a managerial position or you like most, most of the people we, we surveyed want to have that stronger relationship with your manager. Um, you start to open that door because again, that understanding those conversations are the beginning of empathy and that leads to compassion. And it's really hard when we care about people. And we hope that most of us are in a position that, you know, we're able to choose who we work with and that we care about these individuals. And all of us are going to go through something that's different levels of challenging, right? That's life. And so when you see somebody going through that, the first step is awareness and knowing 
that maybe on, on top of seeing that they're just down or maybe a little bit than usual, how do you have that conversation to really connect with them and understand what's happening? And it's really only when you have that information that you can act in a compassionate way and do something to help them. I think what happens a lot of times is because of this level of discomfort of somebody asking something, they feel like maybe they should know or like, oh my goodness, like did this person maybe have like an ill child or parent and I should know like, I don't, I'm scared to have this conversation because I don't want to look bad. And then all of it, it, it has this cascading effect and having good intentions of being compassionate and helping. But if you take a guess, you're still making this big effort oftentimes, but it might be on something that's completely missing the mark. So I think, I hope that people, especially now, like we've, we've had these, like what we were saying, like really awkward situations of being in each other's homes and that people don't forget about that, that they don't forget going back to our earlier data point where so many people were saying their organizations were listening to them with empathy and they're not anymore. And to me, that's in some ways it's so like when I saw that it was really shocking because I thought, you know, on the one hand you read, we've been reading only about the great resignation. Well, maybe not only, but it's definitely filled the headlines over the last months. So the companies just give up and like throw like their hands in there, like, you know what? <laughs> like, we've been trying, we've been trying to listen, we can't figure it out. So we're just not even gonna ask anymore. And and but now is the time where people like companies should be like connecting with their people more than ever. And it's like, I oh, forget it. <laughs> like I've been trying this for the last year, it's not working, I'm just not gonna do it anymore. Well, honestly, you know, I think um just the heaviness of these times. I wonder if people are just tired of talking about it. <laughs> you know, like, like I would think many people are just desperate for it to all to get back to normal. Yeah. Even if, you know, we believe that there's, it, it won't ever go back to how it was, you know, pre pandemic, but I don't know, like maybe it's just, trying to I don't want to say put your head in the sand and you know <laughs> although I just said that I did not mean <laughs> but if you stop focusing on these heavy things you know maybe they'll go away and I think there's actually a little bit of truth to that uh, related to our conversation about optimism right if you mm. kind of focus on the positive um, you can you know, move yourself collectively, you know, towards something different. Right. Yeah. But, um, but I don't know if that, it really explains the change in, in this data. Like, I don't, it's, yeah. it's crazy you know, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think you brought up a really good point that made me think of two things. I think one is you're so right. And we see so much data that says like how burnt out, especially like HR professionals are because they, their jobs, I mean, a lot of people's jobs really drastically changed over the last couple of years, but now in many ways they were really responsible for people's lives. Like they were part of decision-making on do we go back and how do we go back? And in, in this case, it was really life or death. And so at some point you just get tired and I remember talking to one of my former leaders and not about the context of compassion, but it was more about working hard and smart. And I think the principles would apply here is if you're a person that's like really on more of an individual level, not organizational necessarily yet, but if you're somebody that's really compassionate, it can be really tiring and it can be really emotionally exhausting. 
but do you just switch it off or do you give yourself like a moment where you just say, I'm going to take this time. I'll still connect with my people, but I'm really going to actively focus on myself. And do you somehow actively communicate that, that it's not, you know, I'm just done. I'm never going to be compassionate again, but that you're giving, maybe you're switching and tuning up a little bit more of self-care because we only, all of us carry only so much energy. Um, and then you go back to it. You say, you know, I'm going to give X number of weeks to regroup, do this. And then I'll go back to like really connecting with people more effectively. But you kind of say that so people know, you know, what you're going through. Um, that's the the one thing. And then I, I thought you said something really interesting about optimism. And we didn't ask this. And I think it could be really interesting to ask is at some point, I don't think it replaces compassion because again, knowing what people are going through, I think you can be their cheerleader, their supporter much more effectively. But do you at some point take all of that in, you know, with listen with empathy, take all of that information in, and then in some way build a plan. And this could be on the organizational level that gives people that optimism, that gives people that like energy, that hope, the the jolt of like, all right, guys, like, it's time for the next push. We're all in this together. This is what at the end of this print is like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, and that, that maybe it's like, I don't know, compassionate scale. Like it's weird. Maybe it's not the one-to-one, but it's like you're leading instead of solving individual challenges, you're building this big plan. And in some ways um, I was talking to another one of my colleagues earlier today, and he was talking about his team and he said, you know, we've gone through these kind of challenges and these are some of the decisions that we made and everybody's still feeling optimistic. So it doesn't, it doesn't mean that everything in the world has to be right for you to feel optimistic. It just means creating this vision and maybe in some ways for something for people to hope for. Um, and it's just a different strategy of, you know, we've listened, listened, listened. Now we'll take action for a while. But to your point, I think I think after this data, like we literally got this data point today. So we got some more like research and unpacking <laughs> to do <laughs> now that we realize what's going on. But I think these are maybe some good like theories for us to try to test or, or dig into a little more. Well, and it speaks to the role of a manager, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe the role of a manager is to rally the troops. Like, you know, to have compassion and listen with empathy to a point, but then to a point, like what you're saying is, you know, okay, let's go, let's turn this, you know, these, these difficulties into some, you know, some sort of rallying cry where we can, you know, get behind our project and get things moving. Um, And it's, it's just interesting because I've written, um, uh, what I call the future of work manifesto. Um, it's on, it's on medium and it's also on my website at propelnow.co. but it's um, there's a whole section in it that is about how the role of the manager should change like the middle manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't put rallying the troops in there, but I actually think that would be a really, really good mm-hmm like bullet point and, you know, some of the other bullet points, and this is way deep rabbit hole. So I won't go down it all the way, but there's things like um, to craft a story um, to connect the dots between the upper echelons and the, you know, rank and file to create space for experimentation Mm -hmm. to, um, 
to get out of the way, (laughs) um, to, you know, to link, connect networks of people. Anyway, there's a whole list of these kinds of things, which is sort of my attempt at rethinking, you know, what middle management should be all about. Um, and rallying the troops would be a really good one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, and it's interesting because I think you and I talk a lot about, um, exactly you know what you're saying like I, I love what you did in redefining the the role of the manager and then what is the role of the organization in supporting that right mm-hmm. because it's impossible to be like here's the manifesto go you got yeah, it right. you, know, you got this you know and I I've had like some phenomenal phenomenal colleagues who are like the most creative best cheerleaders like these people like I even I mean I just like and Jenny Didi if you're listening to this ever I'm I'm looking at you girl <laughs> like she's <laughs> incredible she is like and she she actually was a cheerleader so imagine how naturally that comes to her but everything that I, I follow her career now and she works at LinkedIn and and she is just a natural and I will tell you if I could be like a fraction of that woman, like 10% of what she does, it would feel incredibly successful. But how do you take something like what she does and replicate that? How do you, maybe not everybody can be exactly like her, but how can we be a fraction of that? Because to your point, rallying the troops is so incredibly powerful, but it's not necessarily innate to everyone. I do believe it's something that can be thought and everybody maybe like has their own different authentic style. Like I see the games that she does with like her teens and everything like that. And I'm like, oh, I wish I was that cool and I could do it. But maybe I can connect with my team in a little bit different way that's also authentic to me and exciting for them. But what is that? Like, what are the tips? How do I do it? And I think that there are some things that organizations can do to help people with that first step, because depending like, goodness, I'm thinking of, you know, like very much stereotyping, but if you think about like engineering professions, if you think about, you know, finance professions, if you compare that to like a sales and marketing, people's backgrounds tend to be very different. Like salespeople tend to have the rally, the contest, the awards that are like in their blood, because that's generally the cultures they've been in. That's not a general culture of finance. It's not general culture of development. They might not even want it. Like, you know, like I, some of the developers that I've been around, I'm like, guys, like, go give them a big hug. They're like, what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but Sonia, you know what you did already is you set up the yoga class for your distributed workload. (laughs) Yes, she did. She set up a 9 a.m. Wednesday morning yoga class that anybody at Question Pro can attend. And I, I think that's a perfect rallying the troops kind of example, because it's like it's like offering up something that could be good for people. And of course they have to, you know, be interested and willing to to join in. But just having the um just the impetus and you know the creativity to go ahead and do that. I think is a perfect example of your style of rallying. Thank <laughs> you, know. Maddie. Know. <laughs> <laughs> that means a lot. I didn't even think of that one. It is. I go every Wednesday and I love that people from around the world show up. And and I, I have, now that I think of it, I've had a couple of my colleagues say like, my husband saw it on my agenda. and was like, what is that? And um. But yeah, no. and I think I got that probably like idea from like a friend or somebody that I talked with. Um, so the more like, I think also like maybe that's like 
within organization, but then it's also maybe between people too. Like my friend, Anna, that we just talked with recently, when we asked her how she learns about things, one of her biggest thing was networking. And so there could be like a really tremendous across organization opportunity of this idea sharing and how do you do practical things. And sometimes I, we're building out, um, we're still trying to decide what to call it, but for our platform, for our Surrey platform, we're building an action planning area. And one of the ideas that Vivek, our CEO had is like, let's create templates. And I thought templates, like, okay, um, what is that gonna look like? And so I, I started to go out and research different ideas and how do you execute that? And what are the different ideas? And there are some really cool things that organizations are doing. And this is even my pre-research, like preceding having conversations, but I love um, knowledge sharing. Like when, when I sit down with friends and I understand what is it that you're doing? Like, what are you looking into? It's mm-hmm. you learn so much so quickly and you learn all the like brilliant stuff and then you learn things that didn't work and why did it not work? And like, how would you do it differently? And so that, I think there is something like the, the community aspect of it too, that is really powerful. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally. <laughs> oh, so I don't know some of our last thoughts and takeaways, because I know we can talk about compassion between us forever. I think the probably the big thing is, you know, drawing upon what you were saying before is that it's, it's okay for people to be tired, but if you're tired, almost give yourself like a controlled time of not maybe fully engaging with others or showing that support, but at least like, in my opinion, it's critical. Like, I think I, that's why like in, in the article, I called compassion a superpower because I do think it's emotional. I do think that it takes a lot out of our person, but I think to your point, like with the way that the role of the manager is evolving, I don't know if it's really going to be optional anymore. It's maybe how do you exhibit it? How do you connect with people? But I don't know if really effective leaders and those that people are going to want to be around, if they're going to have a, a an option really of not being compassionate. I don't think people yeah. are going to want to stay around them for too long. No, exactly. And that's part of building more human workplaces, right? It starts with yeah. the, the people at the top. But I think for me, the big takeaway from this conversation is that it, like compassion and empathy for that matter don't look the same for everybody, right? It doesn't necessarily mean you, the manager, needs to sit and listen to somebody's whole life story, yeah. <laughs> right? If that's not your thing, like it's it's yeah. fine for it not for it not to be your thing, but to listen out for those kind of signs that somebody you know just needs a little extra support or whatever, and then you know finding lots and lots of different ideas for how to provide that kind of support Mm -hmm. and support, you know, can come in a whole bunch of different forms. It can be like we were saying, you know, community-based, like team-based, you know, intrapersonal relationships based, or maybe it's just like bring in a food truck, (laughs) you know, and give people some free food or cheap food like once a week. But just those, you know, little gestures that say that, you know, that, like everybody is going through a hard time. And if they're not directly, then they know somebody who is, yeah. you know, like that's, that's enough to just, to just be really valuable over time. Yeah. I think. 
Yeah. And I wonder too, like, obviously compassion is so much more powerful when you are going through a challenge, but just even taking the time to connect with others, because if you connect with somebody, maybe even when they're not necessarily going through something really challenging then, but you get to know them better when they are faced with something, you have a lot less catching up to do because you understand already better how they think, how they go through emotions, what's important to them. And so instead of saying, you know, seeing somebody be like, wow, like Maddie seems like she's in trouble or Sonia seems like she's in trouble. Okay, I need to figure out what this person's about and how to help them. It's like, ah, I know what Maddie's about. She looks like she's struggling with something. Let me figure out what that is. And so you already have this foundation of that personal relationship where you can almost like add a layer on it and act even faster. So maybe that's one thing for those who are listening to also remember that compassion, empathy, connection, I guess overall, should not necessarily just be reserved for challenging times. It's that like the human relationship of any time. And then you particularly tune in and turn it off when somebody can really use your help. Yeah, I love that. Totally love that. (laughs) Maddie, it was so good to talk with you about this topic. I think it'll definitely be something that we thread in and out throughout our conversations, but particularly, again, anytime, but particularly during this time, it was, we felt like it was an important topic for us to to surface. So thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you for listening. Pleasure to spend this time. And thank you, Maddie, for all of your great insights. You definitely gave me a lot of things to think about. So I'm sure you did. I I love these conversations between the two of us. And I hope we can do well, I know we'll do more. But but I like (laughs) the fact that they can go down some different avenues that we didn't necessarily expect. Absolutely. Anyway, thank you so much to everybody for listening. And of course, we will see you same bat time, same bat channel um, on the next Work at Life podcast.